In our last episode, we got a wonderful overview of medical tourism around the world and the key factors that drive people to travel from one country to another for medical treatments and procedures. Today, we take a closer look at some of the medical tourism hubs along a very specific geographic area, that is the US-Mexico border. Epidemiologist and cultural anthropologist Vivian Clements' research focuses on the macro and micro effects of health and environmental policies and politics on under-sourced and under-researched communities. With the support of the Graham Foundation for Advanced Studies in the Fine Arts, we speak to Vivian about Mexican cities that play host to American patients for a variety of treatments. I am Vaishnavi Shukla and this is Architecture of Center, a podcast where we highlight contemporary discourses that shape the built environment but do not occupy the center stage in our daily lives. We speak to radical designers, thinkers and change makers who are deeply engaged in redefining the way we live and interact with the world around us. The first thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that when it comes to medical tourism, and we'll open with this, it used to be that people from poor nations or so-called developing nations or third world nations used to go to the so-called developed countries or advanced countries for treatment. And what is happening right now is what we initially spoke about and you kind of call it appropriately as reverse medical tourism, where people from countries like the US are going to Mexico for medical procedures. How has the medical tourism industry boomed along the US-Mexico border? And can you point out some key factors responsible for this? And then we'll carry on with the nitty-gritties of what is happening along the U.S.-Mexico border. Absolutely. So for a long time, as you've mentioned, um, people did travel to quote-unquote affluent countries because access to technology, access to quote-unquote better healthcare systems. However, with the advent of sort of like the late 20th century, people are, especially with the blow-up of the internet, people are able to access information about um, how healthcare is working elsewhere, right? They realize that people can speak English outside of the United States, that healthcare is not necessarily subpar in other places. Um, the majority of U.S., like a good chunk of U.S. healthcare system is really staffed by immigrants, workers, nurses, doctors. Um, and pair that with the fact that healthcare in the U.S. is becoming so expensive and out of touch with a lot of people. Um, things like medical, uh, like dental, and there'll be like towns where there'll be deserts and deserts, like there's no healthcare clinic nearby, there's no dental nearby. And then even with insurance, a lot of people are finding themselves priced out of the healthcare system. And so now when you have the internet where you're able to get on and access information about, you know, traveling to Mexico to get your dental health care done, traveling to Turkey to get this proper cosmetic done, um, traveling to the Dominican to be able to access IVF care, for example, people are comparing those price points and realizing that you can actually afford, quote unquote, afford, right? Um, these healthcare services are much lower prices. And then you can also afford them at a really good customer service 
um, aspect because there's a lot of um, those governments are often really catering towards foreign patients, realizing that there's a gap within healthcare systems with affluent nations, that they're able to fit in and jump in and fill those gaps at a lower price points. And then you have consumers who are willing to now access those healthcare services because they realize that one, healthcare services abroad is very good, <laughs> that you can get really good, really quality healthcare services for a much lower price points. Um, so there's a lot of comfort now, given that the world is more globalized, that there's access to information, and paired with the fact that a lot of people are being priced out of the healthcare system within the US, even with insurance. And I think what, correct me if I'm wrong, what also probably would have contributed to this particular exchange in terms of medical services would, would have been the fact that geographically, Mexico is the closest to the United States in terms of travel, right? Because when you talk about the global south, it's it's as close as it as it gets and as cheap as it gets without paying for travel to countries a little farther away. Mm-hmm, absolutely. US Mexico border is right here. And paired with, paired with the fact that, you know, southern US Mexico Southern U.S. states tend to have higher incidence of like clinical desert, healthcare deserts and lower healthcare quality. And Mexico is literally right there. So if you look up online, like patient testimonies, there's a lot of like, oh, I just parked here for $10, walked into Mexico, <laughs> spend the day there for like a day trip, got my, you know, what would have cost me three, four, five, ten thousand $10,000 in the U.S., cost me a couple of hundred bucks. I got really good Mexican food. And then at the end of the day, walked across the border back to the U.S. side, got into my car and went home. So it was the convenience of the fact that the U.S.-Mexico border is right there for a lot of the states where you can just park, walk in, have a day in Mexico, get your healthcare healthcare services taken care of, and then walk right back into the U.S. side of the border and go home. The convenience of it is very much um, attractive to a lot of American consumers, healthcare, healthcare consumers. So this is a two-part question because you touched upon both of them. Um, one was about, you said, people go get their teeth done. So within the the field of healthcare, what are some of the areas, at least along the U.S.-Mexico border, that uh, invite people to travel across? So if you oh, dental is one, what would be some of the other things? And if you could also talk about the Mexican cities, which... Uh, are on the receiving end of all the medical tourism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So dental is definitely a big one. And if you look across, like if you go on Google and you type in dental clinics in Mexico and you sort of, and it populates it with like dots across it, you see the majority of it is concentrated alongside the border. So we call them border towns. So most of the majority of the city of, the, major, major, the majority of places where healthcare services exist are right along the U.S.-Mexico border, like really close by. And you can see a high concentration of it right next to the custom borders. Um, another big one besides dental is um, medication. Um, there's some people who go to Canada to get insulin, but a lot of people can also cross over to Mexico and get insulin. Um, another one is fertility services. Another, uh, th- those are the three case studies that we looked at is dental, fertility, and medication access. Um, so those, and the medical services that really offer ranges from something as simple as 
you want to go and buy your insulin or you want to get a particular medication at a lower price points to dental care, which I've looked at, or to something a little bit, a little bit more involved, like hip, hip replacements, um, like I mentioned, IVF, um, other ones would be, um, like knee surgeries, like really outpatient surgeries that exist. Um, you can access those in Mexico pretty pretty easily. And again, like I've mentioned, the information is easily available online where you can find patient testimonies. A lot of the clinics are are catering their marketing towards foreign patients. So you can get a good idea about what it would look like for you to cross into Mexico, get these services, who you're going to talk to, who your doctor is, who your nurses and care team is, and how your care will sort of be tailored towards you for the duration of your medical care. Um, so like I've mentioned, a lot of the cities are majorly like border cities, like Los Algones is the um, the major one for, they call it Molar City, which is the major one for dental care. Mm. Talk to me about Molar Cities. Why does a city get such an, I don't know, maybe it's famous, maybe it's infamous, but what's the story behind it? It's super famous. Um, so I think I'm trying to see the numbers. There's like a ridiculously large numbers of dental clinics that exist in quote unquote Molar City. I think it has the highest density of dentists and dental clinics of any city that exists. I want to say about, yeah, they said in that small town, the population is about 6,000, but there's about 350 to 500 dentists in that small concentration of town. And if you pull up pictures of patient testimonies or people were doing vlogs and going over to, um, to Molder city, you see like five or six dental clinics, just like back to back, just next to each other. You have, um, like street vendors dressed in, in like molar costumes. Like they look like teeth. They're holding up sign. There's a lot of entertainment, a lot of, a lot of like just catering towards foreign it's a fun place to be. There's music, there's <laughs> entertainment. Just come get your teeth done and just come out, have good food. There's good music. So it's just very much the space is tailored towards this tourist attraction paired with medical services. Um, yeah. So it's just such high concentration of dental clinics, high constitution of dentists in this really small, small town, which is right pushed up against the border of, of US and Mexico. Are there many of these around the border or do you think this is... For teeth, that's that's the one. <laughs> like if you want to go for teeth, that's Molder City. But there's, um, there's other cities alongside the Mexico-US border. I did focus on Molder City because that was the most um, interesting one to me. But there's other cities alongside the border too that really um, attract attract tourists um healthcare tourists so this is interesting because while we were doing some very primary research on medical tourism and especially along the u.s mexico border we found that there were a lot of middlemen agents who would plan your trip who would connect you to the right hospitals doctors figure out your travel stay hotel food everything and it seems like it replicates the model of what planning a normal holiday would be like, except you're going there with an agenda. And it really made me think about all these different nodes that come together in order for a person to go get something done. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how people find these agents, what drives the selection of a particular city, particular hospital, 
I I also read somewhere just like planning your stay for a vacation there are different kind of packages uh so like you would stay in a five star hotel there are some premium luxury packages there are some budget packages what does the process look like um since you especially in your project you've looked at digital ethnographies and you've looked at blogs and you've looked at tweets and you've looked at youtube testimonials do people talk about how they found a particular doctor and what their process or journey was like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so a lot of like the youtube testimonials i think that's why a lot of good people go on there they there's like you can search you know dental clinics in in mexico or molder city or ivf care in mexico or you can search um whatever your healthcare need is in mexico and mm-hmm. when you go on youtube you have two sets of videos that show up one that shows up is a uh, people sitting in the living room in their bedroom and sort of giving their testimonies of this is my doctor. This is how I found him. This is how much I paid him. This is my overall experience in a vlog style, sit down kind of conversation. And the other set of the videos that you find is the agents that you were talking about, the middlemen, right? Where they actually give you information about come to our clinic. We are fully uh, fluent in English. Um, these are the patients that we have. These are the success rates that we have. These are the packages that we offer. And so you can get like real life video testimonies on YouTube. But you can also find blogs where people write about their day in Mexico getting their root canal or their day in Mexico or their week long vacation in Mexico while they got their um, their egg transferred and their medications done. Um, so again, the internet really, Web 2.0 really offered this, um, citizen communal way of sharing information that you can have such huge access to really good quality information of people who are, who one have gone to Mexico and got these healthcare services taken care of and they're fine and they're coming back and saying, yeah, my doctor spoke English. He was very, easily accessible. Um, there was really not an issue for me and I feel okay. And then you also have the agents who will give you a good level information about what you can expect when you come here or when you go to Mexico for your healthcare needs. And I think a lot of it is done to assuage people's feelings. Like, don't worry. Like we are certified. It's not a scam. (laughs) You'll come back. Right. We could do these scares. Um, and a lot of, you know, if you pair that with like the the conversation around brain 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 drain of like um, actual healthcare professionals going abroad and getting their healthcare services and coming back to Mexico or coming back to their homelands and and ho- opening up these private clinics, you see that the training and the certification is oftentimes there. So that worry is there's, there's no need for that worry. That's at least what those patient testimonies and agents are saying is that. We're safe. We're certified. You're okay here. Oh, and by the way, you can hang out. Um, you can eat good food. You can be entertained. Uh, this can be a vacation. Mexico is a beautiful place to come and relax. Um, so there's this pairing between both. Your healthcare service can be taken care of a really good quality, but you can also be stress-free and be on vacation here. I wanted to talk a little bit about the city per se, any which one you want to pick. What does this kind of tourism due to the visual culture of the city. I mean, in architecture, at least, uh, most of us have graduated knowing of the Las Vegas phenomenon and how Las Vegas became the city where the boom of the hotel industry and tourism really commoditized or 
capitalize the whole place right so if you were driving down a road there's this constant fight of which hotel grabs your attention and it's this attention economy of making sure that the bellagio is known more than the luxor or your mgm and everything that comes on your way when you go down the strip so it's this cacophony of all these visual signs really hitting you in the face and we speak a lot about it in in architecture and what you know branding signage um do to city at least like the public sphere of it and while looking at all these cities whether it's Ciudad Juarez Tijuana um any of the ones which are very popular for medical tourism there was of course a, a direct recollection of what was happening in Las Vegas in terms of the advertisements across the roads the branding of the city um and i was also wondering if at all you got a chance to look at how the tourism industry the medical tourism industry has shaped different aspects of the city whether it is public transportation transportation of any sorts hospitality if of course i'm sure because they had so many people coming down from the us what does it do to the kind of food that is served in restaurants you know what does it do to the kind of hotels that are built what does it do to the overall real estate around these medical centers or hubs if you could speak to that a little bit yeah i think i think that's i've never knew about the las vegas um phenomenon the the book is called the learning from las vegas and written by a stellar architect couple called robert venturi and denise scott brown i'll send you a link yeah that please do cuz i think there's a lot of parallels there right cuz i was talking earlier about how moller city is so hyped up around dental tourism and attracting foreign foreign patients to come in. So a lot of it is again like the person who's dressed it as a teeth and waving a flag around come to this particular clinic. If you go on YouTube, NS NBC did like a, a a clip about Molar City and they're walking around and they they followed a couple of patients who came from the US over to the, to uh Molar City in this video documentary of um and a, um NBC really shows what it looks like visually of like somebody dressed in a tooth and waving a flag like come to this clinic don't go to you know or like our clinic is better we speak english or uh there's food and entertainment there's food vendors down the road there is people selling like souvenirs yes that's the one yeah <laughs> people selling souvenirs and what's really interesting is a lot of these workers and migrant workers were once upon a time in the US and for one reason or the other were either deported or were able to go back to Mexico and be able to make a living in these very hubs of of like Ciudad Juarez um of Tijuana of Molder City um so yeah visually it looks like that is very crowded is very heavily you hear languages mostly um you hear attracting languages in english but there's also um spanish being spoken um the real estate is multiple clinics back to back right you can have one block where there is several dental clinics just back to back um you can have you know people dancing music down the road so it's just like if you look at that video you'll get a really good sense of 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 what it is like visually and what it sounds like because again everything is very tailored towards tourism and attraction and look here come here uh we are the best and if, especially if there's multiple clinics then there's this competition of come to this clinic versus that clinic and 
and the, the more outrageous, the more, the more entertaining it is, the more you're able to attract people who are looking to be entertained, but also looking for health services. So, so weird. One would have never thought that, you know, you could comicalize, I don't know what the verb is for that, something that's health related. And when I saw that image, it's like there's a guy standing with a standee of a tooth and it says, welcome to Molar City. It's it's humanizing in a certain way, but it's also kind of feels a little detrimental, you know, like you've commoditized healthcare to a certain extent. It's, it's weird. It's a very... The res- it's, it's responding to something that is real, right? It's responding to people being locked out of healthcare services and having to go elsewhere. Like, it's very... Like, if you look at it from the U.S. healthcare system, it's very sad <laughs> that people are being locked out of these healthcare systems that now they have to go to somebody else's place. They have to go to a different country to have their healthcare being met. And it's also sad on the other side of the border to think about how all of this effort and energy is being put towards attracting foreign workers, um, foreign healthcare seekers to come in. And you wonder, okay, if I am a mom, I have three kids who live in Mexico City and all these services are really geared towards attracting foreign patients, what does it look for me? What does it look like for me to access these spaces so that I can get the healthcare service as a citizen of this country where the majority of the healthcare now is being really tailored to attracting other consumers that are not citizen of this particular country. So you get you get like a really weird mix of oh great if I'm a, if I'm coming from the U.S. and I'm living in a dental desert I have insurance but my insurance doesn't cover anything and I have this root canal that really needs to be taken out I can just go to Mexico and pay three hundred dollars out of pocket and I'll be okay I don't have to pay thirty five. But if I'm a Mexican citizen who works as a food vendor or whatever the case may be, $300 out of pocket, that becomes a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So this is where I think we, we, we should talk about being priced out of your own healthcare system. And in our discussion, I, I realized that things that do attract people, at least in the U.S.-Mexico scenario, is essentially healthcare items that are not probably life-threatening and which is why they have been able to kind of lighten the atmosphere a little bit, take it in a slightly jovial fashion. I wonder if you've also come across instances where the more complicated aspects of healthcare, whether it's neurological, whether it's cardiac, whether it's cancer-related, has also seen a certain movement in terms of travel from the US to Mexico. I mean, I'm only asking because I wonder if this has happened because they trust American doctor more when it comes to complicated surgeries or things that are life-threatening versus things that are more cosmetic, aesthetic, more plastic in in that sense. Uh, Is that the case? But then again, IVF doesn't count uh, as something that's cosmetic. infertility doesn't but the u.s mexico scenario i don't remember seeing there being any travel for say chemotherapy or radiation i mean that people still want to do it with their trusted doctors or their university hospitals or the large large groups that's very true that's a very true observation that i've seen too this i've not seen traveling to mexico traveling abroad for for 
quote unquote, much more serious healthcare conditions. But I wonder if it's also, so yeah, that is the correct observation. I've not seen a lot of instances of people traveling for cardiac or brain surgery or chemotherapy into Mexico. But I wonder if that has to do a lot more with the longevity or the long-term careness that comes with more chronic diseases, right? Um, something that will require multiple visits or require more long-term care, you honestly are, you have to be where you are, right? You have to be in the same right. town because if you have to go to chemotherapy multiple times in a week, there's no way you can travel multiple times in a week to Mexico, at least not with the infrastructure as it's set, at least I don't think the comfort is there yet or the type of visits, like your family has to be around you when you are, you know, going through much more serious, much more long-term chronic illness that requires a lot more intensive care with multiple visits. Um, so yeah, that is true. I've not seen much travel or tourism around much more chronic, much more serious life-threatening concerns when it comes to health um but i wonder if that's because again like i've mentioned is that those particular healthcare needs are much more frequent much more consistent requires a long a long-term sort of address of that health issue but also because maybe people's insurance might cover all of these right maybe they have uh, employers who've already paid for um, employee insurances or whatever student insurance or your and maybe these are things that are not covered by insurance and that exposes a large gap in a country's insurance system or your healthcare system where uh, all these one-stop procedures are not as widely covered as the more serious conditions. And that, I mean, I think in this case, what we discussed earlier on about reverse medical tourism doesn't hold true because you still see people from the global south, people from the so-called developing countries still going to the US, still referring to the Mayo Clinic and sending their reports for expert opinions when it comes to something that has to do with your cardiac health or your neurological condition or something. So, And, and of course, I think maybe the role of research and research plays a huge role in terms of where universities have more funding to undertake your drug trials or uh, experimental procedures and, you know, publish those kind of studies and maybe developing countries don't have those kind of resources because you're still really grappling with maintaining a healthy population. And so you don't invest as much in research. At least that's what I'm sure there's a lot of research still coming out, but it's not at the at the at the scale. And which is why I think when people start coming in for a certain kind of procedure, the local population gets priced out of it. Any thoughts on what this medical tourism has done to medical education in Mexico in terms of how people train for doctors and if they already know that there is there are people coming in for dental procedure, maybe there's been an uptick in the number of people becoming dentists and moving to these smaller towns or people opening fertility clinics or people becoming cosmetologists or aestheticians because they're able to do like plastic surgeons. Uh, any any stats on that? You know, that's a really good question. That was one of the questions when I was writing my article that came up and that was something that we are going to explore next is how does, how does we looked at it from the consumer end of it? How then how do we shift to look at it from like the worker employment, um, healthcare workers perspective? And one of the things that we were going to look at is um, we were we are planning to talk to 
like um, different dental hospitals or dental training schools within Mexico to see how exactly what you've mentioned. How is how are they training their dentists now when it comes to yes the the, the actual training of dentists, but also when it comes to what do you want to do post your education? Are you planning to mm. stay in Mexico? Are you planning to go to one of the border towns and opening up a clinic? Um, are our deans and professors and trainings are, are they seeing more students who are coming in with the sole intention of going to these border towns to open up clinics so that's a really good question that you picked up on and that's something that we were really applying to look at more so like training of healthcare workers training of dentals or training of the next generation of of care providers where are they going is there is you know when we talk about brain brain drain we talk about leaving a country completely fully but is there a brain drain that is happening um, regionally or locationally right within a country but moving towards cities um, or moving towards border towns to cater to a specific healthcare gap that exists so last question vivian you're an anthropologist and you've done this wonderful study and uh, of course uh, this was this paper was written during COVID or around the time? Yeah, it was written around the time COVID is... Yeah. So when I was writing it, COVID was happening. Yeah, because uh, your research methodology shaped up in a very interesting format where you had to look at digital resources and sources which were readily available in terms of testimonials and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Because I also wrote my dissertation during the lockdown and I had no access to a library. So a lot of it had to be, you know, you had to make do with what you get find through um, open access journals. So now that it's been a while since you published the paper, any update on where the study has gotten, if you're still working on it or how you would like to take it forward? So yes, so the the study really came out of uh we were take I was taking a class about immigration in Mexico, especially in border town Mexico. We're we were really studying multiple things, and I for my project I really focused on the medical industry because I have a master's in public health, so that was in part something that I really want to focus on. And COVID was really happening and methodologically we need to grapple especially within anthropology what does field work look like what does observational study yeah. and ethnographies look like if we can't access spaces and be there physically um even mm. if it's just to think about ethnographies from the preliminary stage of how do you gather your data from secondary sources so that you're much more informed when you go to field studies yeah. so that you collect data more um with using non-on-site specific data exclusively right how do we entertain secondary data um, online data web data social media which is becoming so pervasive in everyday people's type of lives yeah. in our research study so yeah, um, and your question is, what do I see this project going forward, correct? What I want to do methodologically, at least again, is this idea that digital ethnography is not a replacement of on-site ethnographies. So once this preliminary data that I've gathered with the patient testimonials, with the videos and the blogs, my the next step, the most the most natural next step is to actually go to Molder City and interview people. Go to Molder City and interview dentists and actually be there in places and see if what we have collected online, what patient testimony looks like online, what the agents and commercialization looks like online is actually 
what is actually continuously happening offline within real day, everyday and real life kind of conversations. Um, so yeah, so best case scenario, I should be in Mexico running this study and talking to dentists, talking to fertility clinics, talking to pharmaceutical companies, and also talking to um, students who are being trained in these fields about what, how do they see medical tourism? Is it a negative thing? Is it a positive thing? Is it neutral in terms of just there's a need and we're filling it? And how do we then not also exclude local patients from accessing their national healthcare services. Lovely. Thank you so much for taking the time off and sharing your work with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was a fun conversation. It's been a while since I talked about the paper, so I really appreciate the time to jump back in and really think about it. Special thanks to Ayushi Thakur for the research and design support and Kahan Shah for the background score. You can follow us on Instagram at arcofcenter and reach out to us through our website arcofcenter.com that is A-R-C-H-O-F-F-C-E-N-T-R-E and thanks for listening.